When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I'm your host, Tim McKernan, alongside executive producer John Seymour and videographer Nick Yell here on today's program. This is an interview from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I, when I knew I wanted to do a podcast, this was one of the people at the top of the list um, I wanted to interview. And I know that might seem perhaps random. I don't know. Maybe it won't. Um, but growing up in St. Louis, Mike Bush is someone who was not only a part of my childhood, uh, but a part of uh, my television career when I was at KMOV and he was sports director at KSDK. Um, but then also, you know, since we've had Larry Connors on the show, uh, people have been discussing, yeah, who is, you know, if you're thinking about St. Louis news anchors, Mount Rushmore, people love hashtag Mount Rushmore's uh, or love to mock them. But either way, and I think for many people, especially people right around my age and younger, they, they can only picture Mike Bush as a news anchor, but he was the sports director at KSDK for, God, I don't know, 15, 16 years before he became the lead news anchor. And so when I thought about an interview, I felt like here's somebody who hasn't really been interviewed like this, who is one of the most recognizable people in St. Louis outside of like members of the Cardinals or Blues and has seen both St. Louis sports news, some of the biggest stories and St. Louis news stories and has been doing it in the market uh, since 1985. On top of that, he was the voice of the Rams when they won the Super Bowl in 1999, but only was doing it for one year. And I'd always heard that he didn't, that, I don't know what happened. He, you'll hear Mike's, he, he volunteered the information uh, about his relationship with uh, Jack Snow. He gets into that. Um, talks about the state of St. Louis, which he was very candid on. Um, and I think something that for people who um, would remember this from the mid-1990s, the death of Bob Richards, who was uh, not only the chief meteorologist at KSTK, but really Mike Bush and Bob Richards, because of what was really genius promotion on the part of the people at uh, KSTK, became known as a, a tandem from these promotions they ran. Um, 
Bob and Mike. They would host the Labor Day Telethon together. They had this rapport on the air where they would give each other trouble. And then Bob Richards uh, crashed his plane uh, following a newscast. Um, and I've never heard Mike talk about it. I don't know why Mike would have talked about it anywhere, but uh, we got into that. And I didn't know if he'd want to get into that. I don't know if he necessarily wanted to, but we talked about it. Uh, and, and all that he has experienced in his career, because uh, he's truly seen it all, heard it all, and told many of you about it all over the last 30-plus years. So to be able to sit down with Mike Bush um, and hear his stories uh, was something I really was looking forward to doing. It did not disappoint. Once again, I always go to my uh, jury, the Seamaster and Nick, for their reaction, and they loved it. And I and I'm glad because I didn't know if it would resonate as well with people who were in their uh, 20s or early 30s as it would, for example, with me, who not only was in the television business, but who grew up watching Mike Bush. So with that all established, there's your background. Now, here is my conversation with Mike Bush. If somebody said, how old is this man you just met? I would say, oh, I don't know, 45? I really? Oh, for real. Oh, and look at me. Nice. I look like I just, you no, know, emerged you look, from a sewer. You're like you're 20, <laughs> you look like you're 28 with the hat on. Take yeah, off the, take hat, the hat off. Then you're 48. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, what's going on? You got you must have the greatest genes going. Uh, no, I, I, you know, people say that to me all the time. They say, you haven't changed at all. And then I'll, I'll do these speeches and I'll show a tape of me from 1978 when I was first starting. And there's, and you can see, you can see that it's a big change. But look, I mean, you're you're from a hairline state. It's perfect. (laughs) I am lucky that the hair still is still there as well. I have no idea, but I see, I think I feel like I've seen you tweet about having grandkids. Yes. I have one grandchild. I mean, yeah, Yeah. there's no way that my cohorts here, Nick and and the CMOS, there's no way they were looking Oh, this guy's got a grandkid. There's only like an eight year old thing in the world. Yeah. And your kids? I have one, three-month-old. 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 So you're just getting started. I'm just getting started, right. I mean, by the time I would have grandchildren, you know, I'd look like the Crypt Keeper based on, in comparison to to you. (laughs) So I I told you, I really wanted to have you on when I knew I wanted to do a podcast because I feel like, I mean, you are kind of been the the face and voice of both St. Louis sports and news for 33 years? Too darn long. Yeah, I've been here since 1985. 1985. Right. And I went back and I did some research, and and one of the things you're doing on KSTK on YouTube is celebrating your 40th year in local television. Yeah. That's that's a run that— It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to believe because to me—and when someone says, you know, they were born in 1990 or 1995, that's— Frickin' yesterday to me. I just don't understand how this happened. I mean, I'm working with Ann Allred, who is 36 years old. I always say it's like watching Beauty and the Beast because, I mean, but she's, you know, a veteran of local news. I mean, she worked in Boston for seven years and had two jobs before that. And to me, she's like a baby, you know. So it it is very, very odd to have done this for as long as I have. For the record, this was a big deal back in the 80s when you were doing sports, and now you're doing news. It doesn't get talked about as much. Grow up, Chicago Cubs fan from Chicago, yes, correct? that's correct. And coming to St. Louis, that was, of course, a whole thing. Right. Well, it was, um, but I had lived, you know, I, I left Chicago to go to college at the University of Arizona when I was 18. I was still a Cubs fan when I was in Arizona, still a Cubs fan when I was in New Orleans, still a huge Cubs fan 
when I was in Kansas City. And in fact, in 1984, when the Cubs finally went to the playoffs for the first time in my lifetime, I got press passes. The Royals were also in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I got press passes because I was we were one of the uh, stations covering the, the Royals. I got press passes to the Cubs in the World Series. I had a choice, Cubs in the playoffs or Cubs in the World Series. Well, I wanted to see the Cubs in the World Series. So I wrote and got the press passes, and, of course, they lost to the Padres and didn't <laughs> make the World Series. I come to St. Louis, and it's great because this, you know, this Cardinals-Cubs rivalry. But sometime in the 1990s, now, mind you, I mean, I can still go back to my boyhood, and I can tell you the starting lineup for the Cubs. Mm -hmm. I can tell you my favorite players on the Cubs. Glenn Beckert was my idol. He was the second baseman for the Cubs. Hit 342 in 1971. Finished third. Oh my word! In hitting Joe Torre finished first <laughs> uh, when he hit 363 for the Cardinals. But anyway, I, I mean that team to me is still in my heart. But in the 90s, things started to change for me, and I was at a. I had season tickets to the Cardinals, and one time I'm sitting there watching. And I'm going, holy cow! I'm rooting for the Cardinals over the Cubs. When did this happen? Oh, wow. It's a Cardinals-Cubs game, and you're cheering for and the Cardinals? And I'm cheering for the Cardinals. And quite honestly, uh, I never thought it would happen, but for the last, I'd say, 15 years, I've been a huge Cardinals fan, and nobody back home who knew me when I would go to Wrigley Field as often as possible um, can believe it. But I am, I, I, you know, when the Cubs won the World Series last year, didn't didn't do much for oh me at God, all. Oh my God, that was going to be my next question. Didn't what was do, October 2016 did, like? I, mean, I was I was happy for my grandfather's memory because he loved the Cubs, and my father's memory. It did not. In fact, it, it it was actually it was actually difficult for me because these aren't the Cubs I know. I mean, this, <laughs> this is not. I mean, you almost lose your identity. Yeah, I know what you're saying um, there. Yeah. I, I really had a. I, I mean, the lovable losers were part of my identity. Um, but now, I mean. I would say that I do root for them when they're not playing the Cardinals, uh, but not in the way that you might think. I am a diehard Cardinals fan now and pay much more attention to the Cardinals. And when the Cardinals won in 2011, I went I went crazy. Yeah. I, just, I thought that was fantastic. Oh, it's as good as it gets from a sports yeah. moment standpoint. What was the process like for you to go from where were you working before coming to St. Louis? Uh, Kansas City. Was. Kansas City, okay. So in 85, so, so, so I, I So right actually, there, you could just make that flip, okay. And that was the year they played in the World Series Absolutely. in 85. So I spent a little bit in Kansas City and a little bit in St. Louis. Oh, you were and, a well-seasoned reporter. Yes, but, I, but but because I, I you know, was in St. Louis at the time, I, I was uh, kind of hoping for the Cardinals to uh, to win that World Series, which, of course, Don Denkinger and, and, and the folks, the, that did not happen. Of course. What was the process like for you to come from Kansas City to St. Louis? Because if I'm not mistaken, at that time, I guess I was like eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> Thank now, you. You don't want to hear that. Thank you. I was eight years old. <laughs> I was eight old. years old. But I believe that's when Zipra Zeppa had come to town. Oh, yeah. And, like, you would you would make sure to watch Friday night the <laughs> Zippo Awards. Yeah. It was, he, like, owned the market. And then all he of a sudden, did. here's Mike Bush, and he's doing the highlight zone. So was yeah. it, like, a conscious thing to say, we've got to counter Zip with... I mean, I think part of it, I'm sure that, that Zip's presence in St. Louis, I mean, I don't know what made the decision for Bill Bolster, who right. was the GM at the time, to hire me. I do know I was fired in Kansas City, so I was really anxious to get a new job. So the fact that I had this new job, I was very excited about it. Um, when I got here, Paul Alexander was the channel uh, four uh, sportscaster, okay. and Zip was on channel two. And I'm, I don't remember what years that he moved to Channel 4. But, yeah, he, he was big for a number of years in St. Louis. And, you know, I think 
not just him, but I think sportscasters in general were showing a lot more bloopers and becoming a little bit more personable and, uh, you know, uh, trying to have little gimmicks here and there. And uh, and so I did the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do remember I was trying to come up with uh, – I, I was showing bloopers and stuff when I was in Kansas City, but I, I, I don't re- – I think I called them the Bush Leaguers or something, but I was driving to work. I was trying to think of something um, – to 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 name them and i was driving to work one day and uh some commercial came on and it had the twilight zone theme and i thought aha highlight zone oh wow. so that's when we started that's when we started that's how doing it came that to that's You're, and other people later took highlight zone in other markets which you know that's how that's what happens that's the way that day. it works unfortunately yeah. sometimes you're working with jay randolph senior correct yes Yes, one of the true champions, great people you'd ever want to meet. Yeah. He was so generous to me uh, still to this day. Um, he is uh, just one of the greatest people I've ever met. And if you think about Jay, people don't remember how good he was as a sportscaster. Um, I mean, if NBC needed him to do golf, he did golf. If he, they needed him to do baseball, if they needed him to do bowling or an equestrian event, they called Jay Randolph. Who the heck can do an equestrian <laughs> event? And he would, and he would do it. Um, and so he was, he was always really, really, really nice to me. Watching one of your YouTube stories, which I really do would recommend, uh, for real, because because I mean, if you're St. Louis and the stories you have, and, and your face and name and voice being associated with so many of these memories, you tell a story of going on the road. I guess in the '85 World Series. And I remember this at KMOV. They would monitor my expense report. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you just had started out with your expense report and versus Jay Sr.'s expense report. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this is the story. We call it You Know Me. So so what happened was uh, I, we were sent to Kansas City, and Jay was sent to Kansas City to you know cover the World Series. And... and um, and so one night we did, you know, we did the show and then we did the post game and uh, I went back to the hotel and I hadn't had anything to eat. So I ordered room service and in a hotel room service is expensive. So whatever the bill was, it was, I turned it in and my news director came in and he said, what is this? Well, it turns out that same night, Jay rented out a <laughs> ballroom at, and invited, you know, I think it was Kevin Horrigan and everybody else who was in the media, Jack Buck, all those people. And he, he spent hundreds of dollars. I spent probably $85. And so after I get reamed out, the news director walks into the sports office and he's he, he Jay's sitting at his desk and I'm sitting at my desk. And he goes, Jay, what is this for $420? And Jay just looked at him, Steve. You know me. <laughs> and the news director turned around and walked out. He didn't get any. He, nobody reamed Jay Randolph. You know me. I thought, oh, that's what I've got to say from now on. Uh, so you get a chance to start doing the sports in St. Louis. But also, I think one of the reasons why your your profile grew is because of the Labor Day telethon. I remember going to that. I would go to that. Really? What a, what a nerd. But I would go to that at Crestwood. <laughs> well, that's good. The Ultra Mall, the yeah. Labor Day telethon. Remember Crestwood Mall? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So what, how did you get involved with that? So um, Channel 5 had been carrying uh, the MDA telethon for years and years and years. And Bob Richards was was our weather guy. And he was uh, doing the telethon locally. He had done it for a couple of years before I got there. And um, because of our relationship, they thought, well, this would be nice if we could get Mike involved. So uh, I got involved, but they were going to take a uh, TV guide cover 
um, back in the days when the Post Dispatch had their own TV guide yeah, yeah, and they would yeah. put put local uh, stuff on the cover. Um, and they brought in a little girl named Allison Reinhardt. She was three years old, and she had spinal muscular atrophy. And I got to know her, and I got to know her mom just during the shoot. And I did, you know, I had watched the telethon for many, many years. I always loved Jerry Lewis and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't know much about muscular dystrophy. Um, but through them, I started learning about it, and then I got to know more and more families, and then it just became, you know, a mission for me. And you know, MDA uh, a couple years ago, they stopped doing the telethon. They decided to that the way it worked was they had this network of stations, more than 200 stations, but MDA would pay the engineers at every station to do the telethon at their local stations. So there was a big budget. Um, and they decided that that it just wasn't workable anymore in today's world. But last year, but so we didn't do it for a couple of years. And last year, um, many of the families who are local really felt like it wasn't Labor Day weekend without the telethon. Mm -hmm. So we brought it back last year. Uh, Heidi Klaus and I hosted, but we did it on Facebook Live. So the expense to the television station was was minimal. Right. Um, and we were only on for a few hours and we raised $150,000. And next year, I hope to get us back on TV at least for a little while because it really... Uh, just the folks at the Muscular Dystrophy Association are, are really terrific, and what they try to do for, for these kids and these families is tremendous, and so it really is a labor of love for me. It was a tradition. I mean, it truly was. That's how I view Labor yeah. Day without watching Mike Rush. Right. And, and, I, and, and what bothered me about MDA's decision was very few charities have a day. Very yeah. few charities have this platform, and everybody, at least in St. Louis, and I think in many places around the country— Labor Day weekend was MDA weekend. And so, at least here in St. Louis, we're going to try to bring that back. That's super cool. That's good to hear. I think people will be happy to hear yeah, that. Yeah, I think, I think so. If you're looking for a new car, if you're looking for a pre-owned car, or if you need to get your car serviced, there is one place to go in the St. Louis area, and that place is Gateway Buick GMC. They are located at I-270 and McDonald Boulevard or online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. We get our cars from Gateway Buick GMC, and therefore it is very easy for me to recommend you get your cars from Gateway with an incredible selection to choose from, plus 37 service bays to service you if you need to get your car serviced. It's Gateway Buick GMC. Nobody can do it better. I-270 McDonald Boulevard or online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. At the same time as, as, as the Labor Day Telethon, you're, you're hosting that. I think it correlates with the development of sports plus is it around that same period yeah i mean um i was we actually i don't know if you remember this but in the uh when i first got here after about a year here we started doing these bob and mike commercials oh, yeah. on channel five oh, yeah and they were they were very successful and the station spent a lot of money to do them and they basically they had actually been done first at knbc in los angeles with uh fritz coleman and fred rogan who are still, by the way, doing weather and sports yeah. at KNBC in Los Angeles. Um, so they started doing it, and our news director, Steve Antonetti, the guy who hired me, uh, used to be the news director at KNBC. So he wanted to get ah. this thing going between me and Bob. Um, so they were very successful, but one time we were shooting together with Fritz and Fred, and Fred and I were talking, and he said, you know, if you really want to uh, you know, make some inroads in your market, you need to have a Sunday night sports show. Okay, I never even had thought about it. So I went to the general manager, and we were running Love Connection at the time, 
Remember Love Connection oh, the with Chuck, Chuck Woolery? This two is before two. Andy Cohn. <laughs> yeah, two and two. Two and two, absolutely. And it was really successful. And we had a big number. So why would I want to put on a sports show when I've got <laughs> when I've got Love Connection? I said, well, how about just like 10 extra minutes at the end of the newscast? So we agreed to that, and the ratings were really good. So then it became a half an hour, and later it became an hour. Um, and, again, that's another situation where it, it – it became what we lived for in the sports department. We we really worked hard all week on our shows, but we always focused on Sunday night. Um, and the ratings for that television show during a period of time in the uh, late 80s and 90s, I, I go back and I look, I still have some of the sheets when we first went to meters. They're higher for 1030 to 1130 than the news and any newscast gets any time now, even a big wow. night. It, they were, I mean, they were double digit ratings. So people, I mean, television was a lot different back then, but people in St. Louis kind of took to, kind of took to it. So, um, and we got to interview just pretty much anybody you oh, can think yeah. of. It was really, it, it was, was so good. It was really a And lot we, of fun. I mean, when I got to KMOV in 2000, we had our own version of it. I guess everybody was doing it. Martin was doing, and still sure. is doing sports sure. final. Sure. Uh, and, and we would do an hour but the the standard was KSDK because you had the pit. Now I yeah. don't know if you liked the pit, but no. I mean, we would we, somehow we got KSDK when I was at school at, in Columbia. I don't know why, but we just yeah. did. And me and my roommates would sit there and go, "Man, I hope hope the pit's on this week. Yeah. Hope the pit's on." We would wait yeah. to see it. And I guess you had Frank moderating it. I think. Well, so, uh, later at, toward the end, we had Frank okay. moderating it. Did you moderate it out of the gate? Uh, yeah, out of yeah. the gate. I mean, we we it could we, get rough. We, we have been. Oh, it got right. It did get <laughs> rough. There was there was actually a uh, a, uh, a little fisticuff action between I forget who it was. I think it was Randy Carricker and Kevin Slayton may have. They're, they they scrapped. Uh, they scrapped over, over getting upset in the pit. Yes, over some argument that they had on the air, we went to commercial and they went at it, and Malcolm Briggs kind of broke it up in the oh middle. That's how it, it could get. It could get pretty heated. And when we started it, you remember how big call-in radio was yes. back then, KMOX yeah. and and those folks. So when we started, that my idea was to do a call-in pit. And so that's what we did. We called in, but then, you know, you know, how yes. oh, there's yeah. no seven second delay <laughs> right. on television. I remember, I remember that. So I we had one or it. two little incidents. Yes. So then we started delaying the calls, you know, having taping the calls right. and that didn't, that right. never works. So then we got rid of the calls entirely. So <laughs> but now you do, now if you did it, you'd probably do social media. Right. People here's can, somebody tweeting here's at Facebook me. Live. Right. Right. Yeah. But that show, I mean, it really it was so well done. And I think it played a role. And when you look at who was in that sports department with you over the years. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like you're like the Bill Walsh coaching <laughs> tree. <laughs> I will say this. I, we got really lucky. And I, I think I had some eye for, for talent when people would send in tapes. Like Trey Wingo, who is now like a big star at ESPN. He was working in Binghamton, New York. Oh, wow. I almost went to Binghamton. <laughs> Did you? Yes. Well, his station, they didn't even have a teleprompter. He, the studio was in a trailer. This is, I mean, this is him telling me this. This is what and I they'd, out on. And they'd walk, they'd walk uh, after they, you know, completed the sports cast, they'd walk over to the trailer and they'd do the tra- with no prompter. But when he sent the tape and he told me this, I went, well, geez, if he has no prompter, he is really terrific. Yeah. And um, and we brought him in, and his last name was Wingo, and our news director at the time wanted to change his last name to Winger, because we had 
Matusha, Matushka Lindo yeah. and Low Deo. And he, they, they, we thought we had too many, too many O's. Too many O's. <laughs> and Trey's like, I can't, I can't take this job if they're going to change my name. I said, Trey, just don't worry about it. So, so uh, he gets there and I just send him to the blues to do a story that we put him on the first day and we call him Trey Wingo. And once you're, once, once you're on the air as Trey Wingo, you can't change it to Winger. So, yeah, so we saw Trey from Binghamton, and then Trey went to ESPN, and we hired Matt Weiner, who later went to ESPN and now is at Turner mm-hmm. um, and NBA TV. Um, and we had Kelly Johnson, who mm-hmm. works for Comcast. Um, uh, obviously, Frank Cusimano was a, was a huge hire for us. Um, so we we I mean we got really really lucky over the years. To but that's a credit. I mean, there's there's luck and there's also the ability to see I, talent. Yeah, I do I do think I mean you know uh, I do think I kind of had an eye for that. So that's, that's great that's that they, one they, thing. you were that's awesome that you were able to play a role in who was in your department. Which is which is uh, really lucky because that's that does not happen all mm-hmm. the time. So what do you think about the way local sports is covered now in 2017 versus when I mean you had a four person department right. producers. Well, it's different. Local television in general is different. There aren't as many resources as there used to be. I mean, local television stations were cash cows back in those days. I mean, they made 60, 70 percent on the dollar. So, you know, getting a big sports staff, particularly, I mean, I was able to hire Frank because of Sports Plus. We were doing a half hour of Sports Plus, and and it was suggested we would go to an hour. And I said, well, we're going to need somebody else. And I went to our then general manager, John Kennecke, and I convinced him to hire Frank based on the revenue that the second half hour was going to make. What a fantastic way to get Frank Cusimano yeah. here. And it was it was tremendous for us. So, I mean, television is very different. But I think all the local stations in town do a really fantastic job. Um, they just don't have the stabs. Although I'm, Channel 2 may have the stabs. Yeah, they may Martin's have the got a crew. Staff. Yeah. Right. Um, but most stations don't have the kind of staff. That uh, that we had back then. Yeah, and what a staff it was. You made reference to uh, Mike your your relationship. I mean, the Bob Richards Mike Bush promos yeah. were a signature of the 1980s, and you guys were close, were you not? I mean, that that wasn't yeah. just like we're going to act for our promos. You guys were close. No, friends. we were close. We didn't do a whole lot outside the station because Bob, you know, he he had a plane and he flew it, and he. Uh, you know that's what that was his social thing, and I was too afraid to go in his plane with mm-hmm. him, so I, I did I didn't really do that. But um, but yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. I mean, we used to, we had so much fun. We, you know, what the ATs is in 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 oh, the yeah. newscast. Yeah. So it's the first break, mm-hmm. and we would spend maybe an hour just putting together some kind of crazy tease. Uh, in the newscast um, and trying to make it creative and I remember and do I remember these. We, we I just, it, do. just it was just the this Mike and Bob thing and we worked it for as, as much as we could but you know local TV was it was a lot of fun back yeah. then yeah his passing is a, is a tragic and you know a moment that people still you know I don't even yeah. know how many years it's been at this 1994 point. 94 so yeah. 23 years take me back to that day, that time at KSDK, because I can't imagine what it would have been like, especially in your position where you're kind of a yeah, synonymous with him. It was really, really hard. Um, and I, I mean, I got a call from Dan Gray at two o'clock in the morning at the house. And I remember thinking, I hope this isn't about Bob because he had been going through this this rough time. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 we had heard he he uh, had killed himself. Um, 
Bob was Bob was a um, I would say he he was a great guy, and I loved spending time with him. But he was a little bit insecure, I would say, um, as I think many of us in local media are. Um, and so I, I always felt like uh, as he was going through this rough time for a couple of weeks up up ahead time that that we needed to watch him. Well, that night that he did this. Um, at the end of every newscast, there's a four shot where it's the two anchors mm-hmm. and the sports guy. And Bob wasn't there for the for the four shot. He he had left early, and even to this day, I wish I would have seen him leaving the building because I would have quit. Where are you going? We're not done yet. Um, not I don't know that that would have done anything, but um, but you know it was very very hard. I didn't go on the air. I think for a week because it just it was just too difficult to uh, and to talk about sports after right. something like that is. It's the same thing for nine eleven. I mean, you just don't feel like this is this is something we should be talking about right yeah, now. Yeah, so. no, understandably so. You you actually bring up September eleventh, which, I, if I'm not mistaken, I have it here in my notes. Was that was that moment a reason why you went from sports yeah. to news? So what happened was, is I guess it was the late nineties. My news director came to me and said, "Would you consider moving to news?" And I said, no, I, I don't really <laughs> want to do this. I had no interest. I really loved what I was doing. I loved the autonomy of Sports Plus. I just really enjoyed it. Um, and then 9-11 happened, and I went to work that day, and I was completely worthless. I mean, I did what I could. I went out and did a couple of interviews for people, but um, I, I don't think we did sports for a week. Maybe it wasn't quite that long. It felt like a week. And I just felt like... God, there's something so much bigger. So it was very shortly after that they asked me if I would consider it again, and I I changed my mind and I said yes, I would. So, and so that really did play. So a it really role. did play a role. And I have to say, as much as I love sports, and sports is the first when I get the news, I still get the hard newspaper in the morning, and the sports section is the first thing I go to. And I love talking about sports with people, and I pay close attention to the Cardinals, um, but. Uh, uh, I, I do not regret making this decision because yeah. it, it allowed me to really explore storytelling and to really, um, uh, you know, talk about a, a variety of topics every single day. And, um, you know, the one thing about sports is a lot of the same things come around again and again and again, which is fine. It can still be exciting, but spring training is spring training is spring training, even if you're talking about, um, you know, Marcelo Zuna or you're talking about Matt Holiday. Right. I mean, uh, and so the nice thing about news is it does it does it does change on a on a regular basis. There's something interesting every single day. How do you feel when you look back on I guess 2002 would bring you when you went to the news desk? Yeah. How do you feel the transition went? I mean, that's a different when we're sitting there anchoring the sports. It's it's improv in a sense. It's right. free and easy now. You gotta you gotta convey the tone of the story right. and your facial expression and voice. So the 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 most difficult part, the first thing that happened, and they did this transition um, a little unusual, but it was good for me. I did sports. I did news on just Sundays at first. Oh, that's just, right. just anchored the news yeah. Sundays, and then I'd go do Sports Plus. So I'd anchor the newscast and then walk over and do Sports Plus. So I was doing a little bit of both. So I kind of just got my feet wet. Yeah. Um, I think the, the the toughest thing to get used to for me was um, in sports, when we were doing Sports Plus, we almost got no feedback or 
any pushback at all from management unless it was about spending money for something. Mm-hmm. It was we were totally autonomous. If we wanted to do, uh, uh, I remember NBC had a had a mini series called uh, the Seventies. So that that yeah, was our lead yeah. in. So we did a '70s Sports Plus, and we brought back Lou Brock and Bob Gibson, and did a whole you know nineteen. We could do that kind of stuff just because we decided that doesn't happen in news. Uh-huh. So in news, there's a lot of cooks, <laughs> um, and they're all stirring the pot. Uh-huh. And so um, that was the toughest thing to get used to. But in terms of the tone, you know, if you're a broadcaster, you understand them. If it's a serious story, it's a serious story. That's the same thing in sports. I mean. You know, there's some bad stuff going on in sports, too. Mm-hmm. So you had to change your tone. So that's I don't think that was really much of an issue. Um, the kinds of stories you'd end up doing were, were different. It's, you know, unfortunately, it's a lot of bad stuff. And one thing that happened to me after about a year of doing straight news was it was so depressing. I mean, I, I kept going home going, God. Uh, and I kept thinking the viewers have got to feel the same way if I'm feeling this. Mm-hmm. So that's when I went to the news director and I said, we've got to find some balance and and have some positive stories. And that's when I started doing the Making a Difference uh, story. Oh, all so, right. Well, that explains so, that yeah. as well. So I, I, I really felt we needed to have something positive. And it was a good chance for me to really delve into some storytelling and, and, to, and to focus on, on some of the good things going on in the community. With doing news, you get the opportunity to interview people you interviewed did you ever interview president george w bush i did not but you did interview president obama I, so i interviewed president obama on four occasions uh twice as uh, the sitting president uh and twice as uh uh when he was the senator I, when he was elected the junior senator from illinois um about i would say a month later uh, Eric Voss, who's a tremendous photographer, mm-hmm. and I went to Washington, D.C., and we spent a couple of days with him and his new staff, and um, and we just fo- basically were a fly on the wall, followed him around, got to know him, and we both left there thinking, this guy is really something else. He, he is really um, bright, articulate, um, he has this aura about him where you um, you can't help but listen to what he has to say. And he, he looks you in the eye and he makes you feel like you're the only person uh, in the room. So we knew he was we, he was pretty special. I can't say that we knew someone uh, who was African-American and named Barack Obama could ever have a chance to become the president of the United States. But but we knew he was uh, was the kind of person who who uh, would move people, mm-hmm. and, uh, and clearly he did. So we spent a couple of days with him. Uh, about a year or two later, we, we did it again. We went back and, and, and spent some time with him. Um, and then he was elected president, uh, and because of the relationships we had built over, over those uh, other two interviews, uh, I got to interview him in Iowa when he was on a, on a campaign tour, and I got to interview him at the White House one time. So, And if, if I am correct on this, one of the times... Uh, the battery did not work, so you're standing there. Yeah. So my photographer, again, Eric Voss, and I, we were in Iowa. And you have to wait. If you're going to interview the president of the United States, you have to wait in this holding pen for hours and hours. And, you know, they, the security comes over 10 times to check it to make sure nothing's wrong. So we had been waiting, and finally it was our turn. And we only had like seven or eight minutes to talk to him. And we're, we're put into this one room, and we put the microphone on him. And uh, I, you know, we test, I go 10, 9, 8, Mr. President, can you just count backwards? 
no audio. He's got no audio. Uh, so now I've got ah! The worst part about this is so Eric has to change out the battery, which doesn't take very long. But now i got to make small talk with the president of the United States. Oh, how are things? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't remember what I, had, what I said. But I, I have to say that when you're interviewing the president of the United States, no matter what circumstances they are, you're nervous, yeah. and and I was very nervous, but I I had done enough research so that all I got to ans- ask all my questions. Uh, I can't tell you if they were answered, but I can tell you <laughs> that I asked them all. A signature interview also that probably wasn't supposed to happen was when you went up to New York, if I'm not mistaken, with Bob Costas for his mm. later show. Oh yeah, and he had Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. As so this was th- what was cool about this was. Um, we, you know, one of the things, one of my favorite people to interview, one of my favorite people to talk to, as I'm sure it is for you is Bob. Sure. It, it's, it's always still a thrill for me. Um, because I love talking about broadcasting, but he, I mean, the guy is just so brilliant and so articulate and I just love picking his brain and he's always been very nice and very generous to me. And so in the days of sports plus, we'd have him on as often as we possibly could. Um, in fact, I contended to him that at least in that era, no one did more long form sit down interviews with Bob Costas than I did. We'd have him on as long as we could. And I could talk to him for, for hours. Um, so I called him up once and he was just starting this new later show for HBO. And I said, we'd like to come out and do a a story on you uh, and this new show. And he said, great. And so we, we made the plans. Well, his guest for this, the show we were going to do was Jerry Seinfeld. It was Jerry Seinfeld's first long-form interview since the end of the Seinfeld show. So this is tremendous. So I said to Bob, as we were sitting in the studio before he did his interview, I said, do you think there's any chance he'd talk to me? And she said, I, he said, I'll tell you what, I'm not even going to ask him. You just approach him as soon as the as soon as it's over. So that's what we did. And Jerry's like backing up against the wall <laughs> as we stuck a microphone in his face. And then he played it for humor, which which turned out uh, very well. Because it was probably better than I than a regular form interview. That was he, he just made fun of me the whole time is what he did. Hey, still you had Seinfeld on the show. Exactly. Well that's that was the great thing, is that we you know, we promoted it. I think we aired it on Sports Plus, so we promoted it. Uh, up next on Sports Plus, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Now he didn't give a legitimate interview, but what the heck? Yeah, and over on Channel Four, I'm doing a story on the Cardinals bullpen. You know, how do we compete? Well, with that? exactly. <laughs> also, true or false, you got on the phone with OJ Simpson? Oh yeah. What in the how did how does this happen? So this was so every every this year. This is post nineteen ninety four. It's this important. Is, this, the, the trial was over. Right now, I had interviewed OJ Simpson on a few occasions because he was NBC's right. analyst, and so we would do these satellite interviews with with uh, with Bob and with OJ and some other people. So I had interviewed him before, but in this particular case, um, I was flying out to Los Angeles back in the days of TWA. Uh, they bumped me up on their L-1011 to first class just because they were nice. Um, and I'm, I'm, we're, I'm flying out for the Muscular Dystrophy Association seminar. Uh-huh. So before the telethon, uh, they'd had these seminars so that you had something to talk about for 19 and a half hours where they'd bring in um, uh, researchers and doctors and, and patients and you'd learn about the, the newest uh, technologies and the newest uh, uh, 
uh, uh, cures that, that they were working right. on. Right. So anyway, so uh, we're, I'm sitting in first class, and this man sits down next to me, and he introduces himself. His name is Raffles. Um, I forget his last name. That's, he didn't say his last name then, but I've since looked him up. This guy was a celebrity hanger-on, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, and so we got to talking, and he was going out because he was doing something with Ricky Martin's band back when Ricky Martin was big. And I told him what I was doing, and I was a sportscaster. And somewhere halfway through the flight, he says, he says, well, what do you think of this whole O.J. Simpson thing? I said, well, I think he did it. I mean, you know, uh, I like the rest of America. And he just kind of smiled, and we talked about other things. Um, and then the plane lands, and I see him on the phone. And this is the early days of cell phones, so it was like a rather yeah. bigger bigger cell phone. And and he, he, he pulls down his luggage from the thing, and he says, someone wants to talk to you. Who could you know that wants to talk to me? <laughs> and I get on the phone, and I say, hello, Mike, this is O.J. Simpson. And it was definitely him. So now, what do you do? What do you say? Nice to talk to you? Yeah, our you things. <laughs> and he he carried the conversation. He just kept saying, uh, oh, from St. Louis. You know, I used to come there and play. we played against the Cardinals and da, 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 da. And so at the end of the conversation, again, I don't know, should I say, nice talking to you? What do you say? So I just said, well, it, it's been interesting. And I handed it back to Raffles. And he's laughing the whole time. He thought it was really funny. He invited me, Raffles did, to this party at the Beverly Hills Hotel that night, which I did not go to. You did not go I to. I did not go. Would have, who I, knows yeah, what I could exactly. have seen. Who would have been, who would have been at that yeah. thing? Do you know that 90% of homeowners in Missouri escrow their premium with their mortgage and have no idea what they're paying or what they're covered for? Call James Carlton today to protect your biggest asset. James Carlton of the Carlton Insurance Agency, a State Farm insurance agent. His phone number is 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Call James and he very well may be able to not only get you better coverage, but start saving you money. In fact... He often can include $100,000 in life insurance without even increasing your payment. The switch is easy. They do all the work for you. It just takes one phone call or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. You need insurance anyway. Why not make sure that you're doing business with somebody who's local, prides himself in being local, and then also somebody who goes out of their way to support the community. Plus... I can speak to firsthand the quality of what James has done with all of the awards the agency has received, but also his staff. He has a big staff, and he does that to make sure that the customer service is outstanding. It's carltoninsurance.net. You may not even notice it. The premiums are going up. Make sure you have the best deal and support the sponsors. And people do business with James because they like and trust him. You can just check out the reviews on Google and Facebook. This guy knows what he's doing. It's why they receive the awards that they do. They're online at carltoninsurance.net or give them a call. James Carlton, 314-961-4800. You know, it's funny. I bet a lot of the people listening to this, because we, especially with podcasts, you sometimes have a younger audience, and they go, I didn't even know he was in sports. They look at you as the news guy. Um, yeah, most people these days don't even that, know Isn't that just sports. weird? It is But weird. then even more specific, 
for one of the greatest years of football in the history of the league. Yeah. Forget about just in St. Louis. You were the voice of the 1999 St. Louis Rams. How did that all come to fruition to go from the sports desk at KSDK to the Rams? Somebody had told me they were looking for somebody to to do the play-by-play that Gary Bender had just left. And and I had done some uh, pregame stuff. So I just expressed some interest in, in the job, and they hired me. Now, I'm not sure that was a wise decision on their part, but it, it and it became, um, you know, looking back on it now, what a tremendous opportunity, and it's a lot of great memories, but it was the most stressful year of my life because we were still doing Sports Plus. Mm. The, the, the news director, my boss, didn't care that I was doing Rams play-by-play. Sports Plus came first. Um, and so if you remember that year, every game was at noon St. Louis time because nobody had the Rams in prime time. They had won four games the previous year. So um, so I had to get back and I had to do the show every single night and I had to do a package for the show. And I'm also doing the play-by-play for the Rams. So uh, it was just a very stressful time, and I wasn't particularly great at the play-by-play thing. I think I would have gotten better had I had I gone along. You knew you felt like you weren't good. You actually while it was going I, on, I you felt like I was I, I was I was pretty good at at bringing the excitement to people because I could get excited as a as a. But I but I was not great technically, uh, and I was asking a lot of advice from Costas and and other people. Um, like I say, I think I would have gotten better, but it wasn't, it was not, uh, I mean, if you go back and listen to some of the broadcasts, there are some really nice moments there and there's some, you know, when they play the highlights on NFL films, it sounds mm-hmm. fine. Um, but I, I, I never felt real, really comfortable. Um, and, and Jack Snow, who was the color commentator kind of welcomed me with open fangs. Um, so you didn't have, you didn't have the greatest. I mean, I, I think he felt because I was, I was the TV guy and I was spending, a, I mean, I would go sometimes at halftime to go do an interview with somebody and then come back and do a radio. I think he felt like maybe I wasn't putting all my attention, right. which is probably true. Um, he, I, so anyway, it was, it was, uh, it was, a, a difficult year for me uh, personally, um, but it was, I mean, how what an opportunity. I mean, oh. you know, how many people have done play-by-play in the NFL for one year and win a Super Bowl? Not too many. Yeah. And, of course, it was so unexpected. And, you know, I, I, we ended up doing a show with Kurt Warner, so Kurt became, you know, a close friend. Um, would come to your house. He would come to our house. <laughs> we did a, a thing called Monday, Monday uh, Evening Quarterback, I think we called it. And we started in a bar at a couple of places, but he was mobbed so much. He said, I really rather not go to the bar. So I said, um, well, can we come to your house? And he really didn't want the TV crew there. Mm-hmm. So he lived just like a mile from me. So I said, well, why don't you come to my house? So the satellite truck would be in my driveway and he'd come. And sometimes he'd bring his son, Zach, and and we'd do the show from from my house. We would do the five and six and, and talk and Kurt to him Warner from sitting my, in your living room. And Kurt Warner, who's now in the NFL Hall of Fame, was sitting in my living room. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, that's incredible. So is it the stress of the whole thing that made you say after the year, that's it? It that was, was... The, it was the stress and you know, there was a lot of criticism and I just I really felt like um maybe the Rams would be better off with that without me. Um and so I, I, 
you know, if I had it to do over again, I would have handled the whole thing a lot differently because I think I would have given myself a little bit more time. I'm, I'm very hard on myself mm-hmm. um, when things, you know, if I make a mistake on the air or if I mess something up or if I do a piece that didn't quite, you know, ring true, um, I, I, I take that home with me. And so that whole year was like that. I notice so. when, just like all of us, we feel spurned and, you know, whatever took place with the NFL relocation process a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, you sometimes, which is rare for a news anchor, but you have the juice to do it, will we'll be a little vocal on, on what's going on. When you watch that process, granted, you were certainly distant in years from what took yeah. place when they moved. But being a news anchor, really one of the top news anchors in St. Louis, when you see a franchise leave St. Louis, and it's the second time you've seen it right. working in the industry, what did you think of the processes? Well, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, here's the thing. The one thing that we are in, in local news is advocates for our city. And so I think it's okay um, to be opinionated about things that advocate for our our, our town. And the way this whole thing was handled was absolutely an abomination. And, uh, I mean, I think the way Stan Kroenke handled it, I mean, he, he knew what he was doing. He was, he was going to move the team, and, and, and he made plans to do that. And, uh, and, and the idea that, uh, that you know, that, that he was going to try to stay, was, it, was all, it was all BS. And so I don't like, I don't think, I think St. Louis was lied to. I mean, Jeff Fisher has admitted, has admitted as much. Um, and I think, I mean, I, you know, I, I just think the whole process was ugly and 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 it's something that, that kind of sticks in your craw. And I think it does for most St. Louisans and anybody who cares at all about sports. And so uh, I don't have much love for the NFL these days. I can't blame you. I, 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 I feel like the tough thing for me is I feel like we as a football fan base here get labeled as a bad fan base. Right, which is total bull. Right. I mean, it's total bull. I mean, if you had... I mean, is Cleveland a bad fan base? I don't think. I mean, Cleveland's a great sports town, um, and they'll if, if you're if you're good for at least a little while, they'll support you. Same thing with the St. Louis. Um, St. Louis is a better sports town than a lot of the NFL mm-hmm. uh, cities that currently have teams. Um, and if we were to get a a another team, and I that, you know that may never happen, but if we were to get another team with an owner who was bullish on St. Louis and actually cared about winning. If we had, if, if Khan had right. bought the what Rams, a, yep. what a world and Kroenke, it, would it, it would have been a whole different world. Yep. They'd still be here, and uh, I, you know, people would be excited about it. People, people turned up uh, for the Rams, and when they were good, it was oh, unbelievable, it was unreal. Yeah. It was the best. This became yeah. a Rams town. I know it, it might really sound did. weird to say now, Listen, but it did. One of the, one of the moments that I will always remember as a local broadcaster was after the Rams won the Super Bowl. We carried the parade down Market Street live. It was so cold that day. Yep. I was there. I was a fanboy. And, I was and there. it's just like those Cardinals parades, but but it's in the middle. It's in the dead winter time, and it's freezing cold. And hundreds of thousands of people are out there cheering. Um, and anytime sports can galvanize a community like that, it just it 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 really is a wonderful wonderful thing. And I think. Um, I, I, I don't know what the crime stats are during a Cardinals World Series or a Rams Super Bowl, but I, I think it's hardly a blip because people are paying attention because sports can bring a whole community together. 
Um, and that's that 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 was the great thing about that Ram yeah. season. Speaking of the community, since you've been here now since '85, you've gotten to see St. Louis and you know progress or regress depending on what your perspective is, and of course be the one bringing the news to the community over the last 15 years. What is your opinion of the state of St. Louis? Oh, it's a mess, um, and it's 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 frustrating to see. Um, obviously, we have a crime issue. Um, but I think until we somehow can convince the county and the city to come together as one, uh, we're just not going to take enough steps forward to be the kind of city I think we all believe we can be. I do think St. Louis gets a bad rap. I remember uh, my wife and I went to uh, Italy shortly after uh, Ferguson, and we were we're in Positano, Italy, which is probably the most beautiful place I've ever been to in my life. And we're on this deck and we're having, you know, uh, drinks. And somebody overhears that we're from St. Louis. St. Louis. Oh, what a terrible place to live. This guy's from New Jersey. And he's going on and on about St. Louis. And I said, no, it's not. It's a wonderful place to live. Um, we definitely have our challenges. Um, we have racial challenges. We have crime challenges. Uh, we have political challenges, um, but for the average person who lives in St. Louis, uh, it, it, I mean, traffic's not so terrible. We've got everything you could possibly want for uh, other than an NFL team to, to go see. We've got a wonderful theater in Fox Theater. We've got a wonderful symphony. I mean, it is a great place. We've got some amazing schools. Um, it's a great place to live. We've just got to work on these challenges that we have. Um, and I think the first thing we need to do is is bring the city and the county together so that they can work together. So when things like the MLS mm -hmm. happen, um, that it's not the city trying to to do everything and put everything on their shoulders because that is just not fair and it's not going to work. Right. It's not realistic. So um, so I, I think the other communities that have come together um, to to face their challenges. Uh, it became a regional effort and not just, uh, you know, an effort in, in these in these little fiefdoms all, all across the region. Final thought in the YouTube series, which I truly would recommend. Now, you think they're—I think they're great. I love them. Well, I, I truly do because the stories are entertaining. But one that I think was, was emotional, and I'm sure it was emotional for you, although you delivered it in a professional manner without losing it, but I would imagine it has to be emotional considering the circumstances. You talked about— your first Cardinal broadcast at Wrigley Field. Oh yeah, with Jack Buck. Yeah, and your dad. Yeah, gets to go up in the press box, and he winds up taking a picture that you could have scheduled a photographer. Yeah, and not gotten the result that he got. If you could, the background on that so, picture. So, um, you know, back in the '80s, the Cardinal games for many years, for 40 years, they were on Channel yeah, Five. Absolutely. So I come to St. Louis. And the GM says, you know, when Jay Randolph can't do Cardinal games, we're going to have you fill in. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is that's, unbelievable. That's nice deal. So uh, I got to do some games. And then one Saturday, he can't do a uh, Cardinal game at Wrigley Field. So it's Cardinals and the Cubs at Wrigley Field. So I'm going to do the game. So what happened was I would do the first three innings with Jack, the second three innings with Mike, Mike Shannon, and then the last three innings with, with Jack. And, I mean, it's just unbelievable that I'm sitting next to Jack Buck because I was the kind of kid that, even though I grew up in Chicago, uh, you know, Cubs games were on in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. 
So when I'd go to bed, I'd have my transistor radio and I'd tune in KMOX and put it underneath my pillow and I'd listen to Jack Buck and Harry Carey do Cardinal games. So Jack Buck was like, you know, a god to me. Um, and again, another a guy who was always really nice to me. So here I am, I'm doing games with him and now I'm going to Wrigley Field and I, I called my parents up. I said, um, I got your tickets for this game. Now, it never occurred to me to ask them to go sit in the booth. Mm. Because I don't, I didn't know what the rules were. Who brings their parents into the broadcast booth? I didn't know what the rules were. But I'm on the field before the game, and I'm standing next to Jack, and we're talking. And my parents are in the, you know, came down to say hi. They're mm -hmm. in the seats. And I said, Jack, will you come over and meet my mom and dad? And so he does. And, of course, he's as friendly as you can be. And he says, uh, he says you're coming up to the booth to watch the game. I said, well, Jack, we don't have to do that. Absolutely, you're coming up to the booth. <laughs> So he brings them up to the booth, and they sit right behind us as we're doing the game. My dad got a couple of pictures uh, of me and him doing that. Um, but I, I, I can't help thinking because when you're a kid and you tell your father you want to be a sportscaster, I'm sure he's thinking, yeah, right. What? The, nobody's going to actually become a sportscaster. And I used to turn down the sound of the Cubs games, and I would broadcast the Cubs games into a tape recorder. And I'm sure my father thought this would never happen for real. And there he is sitting there watching me do a Cardinals-Cubs game. And it was all thanks to Jack that he was sitting in the booth to see it happen. So, yeah, that's a pretty – I, I uh, use that picture as often as I can on Facebook pages and Twitter pages and stuff like that. Just, just A, getting, getting to sit next to Jack Buck and do this, and B, to have my father there. Exactly. That's the two elements. Yeah. You sit next to Jack Buck, calling a Cardinal game at right. Wrigley Field where you grew up. Right. And then your dad right. is getting a chance to take the picture. Yeah, it, I mean it's that's pretty. It's a it's a pretty great. It's as good for as it me. gets. Yeah. I, I lied. Final question, really. Sorry. <laughs> right. I mean, like I said, you truly look like you're in your forties. I don't even know if you're in your forties. I, I just feel like I gotta say I'm that. Sixty. I mean, that's oh my god. I'm a grandfather. I know. So you look like you could do this forever. You yikes. Yeah, but I'm sure. I'm sure. I guess. I assume once you turn sixty, you go. Well, I guess I got to start thinking, or maybe how much longer do I want to do it? I want to travel with my wife, hang out yeah. with the grandchild, and yeah. maybe some more. And the answer to that question, because people ask me, is I don't know the answer to that question. I, I still really enjoy my job, um, but I only have about a year left on a contract. I, no one's asked me back yet, so I don't know if I'm going to. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that play. But, yes, I do, I do think about doing other things. What would those um, be, if you don't mind me intruding? I mean, I I really enjoy um, storytelling. So uh, I to to just work on stories I'm interested in would be a particular interest of mine. Under you know that could be in any format. That could be I could do that on my own. And, and you know these days on websites mm -hmm. you can you can you know do all kinds of different stories and and make some money that way. Um, I don't. I haven't. I haven't nailed anything down yet in terms of that. I, I also love mentoring young reporters and and anchors. So um, some kind of role in doing that would be would really be interesting. I love. I mean, young reporters today who come in who shoot their own stuff, come in, work on the writing, and knock it out, and sometimes knock it out of the park. I am just blown away by. I did this. I was a one-man band in 1978, 79, and 1980. And when I got out of Tucson, Arizona, I thought, I'll never have to do this again. And now you can be in New York and you're, yes. you're doing it. 
but I'm, I'm amazed at how efficient they are at this and the editing and, and, and the writing. I, I have worked really hard on my writing. I love to talk about writing and, and, and trying to help uh, young reporters with that. So I, I don't know what it will be, but I certainly don't think it would be fair to St. Louis for me to be on the air for too much longer, but we'll see. Why I mean, do you say, why do you say that? I mean, it's, 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 I don't think people are going, Oh, I'm tired of Mike Bush. Well, I think if anything, they go, Mike Bush is the guy. You have to understand that the people, the people, uh, that watch that, that, that advertisers covet are still younger folks. So we always hear 25 to 54. I'm not even in the demo anymore <laughs> that they're after. So I'm not even in the demo. And I think, you know, it's probably, it's probably fair to say that, Eventually, they're going to want someone in the demo who is who is doing the news, who you know will help them get you know better ratings in that demo. Yeah. So, um, and you know, you I've I've my my career has morphed. I mean, I I, I did sports, I've done uh, I've done news, I've done some play by play. Um, I I really like I say I really like working on storytelling. Um, so, what's the next step? We'll see. I mean, I, I always enjoy a new challenge. We'll see. And now, you know, you could be back here. We could do this again in 10 years. Yeah. And we could st still be telling still be you the same thing. <laughs> because I, the truth is I really still do love going to work every day. So, um, I mean, the, the, my colleagues joke that I, I because I've been there so long, I get a lot of vacation time and I rarely take it all. So, um, uh, because I, I, I really like to work. So, it's uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm I, I'm not I'm I'm not saying for sure one way or the other because I just don't know. Well, we had uh, Larry Connors in here a couple of weeks ago, and then that got the discussion going as is kind of almost satirical of Mount Rushmore of St. Louis news anchors, and people are like, oh, Mike Bush. I mean, that that's I, really? I knew you would react like that. For those of you not watching, you reacted like you got to be kidding. Yeah, me. really. But but that's, I mean, that's that to me is you know that's Larry and Julius Dick Ford and Julius and Karen Foss. Mm -hmm. That's the there's the, you that's, just named the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that's the Mount Rushmore right <laughs> You're there. You're another's receiving votes in your mind. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'm I'm, I'm fine with whatever. But role I think it is. for a whole generation, people would say, "Oh, it's, it's Mike Bush." I mean, because they wouldn't need because I, I told like T.J. Moe, I don't know if you know T.J. played at Missouri and sure, he yeah. show here. And I said, "Yeah, I'm interviewing Larry." I said, "Boy, the first time I anchored, I sat next to Larry and Julius, and I felt like I should like." you know, be bussing tables next to these guys, not yeah. anchoring next to them. But for a generation, those were the guys. But that's that's you. Well, I, I don't know if that's true, but it's that's nice to hear. But, I, you know, when you've been doing something for a long time, people, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, they kind of call you, uh, instead of old, they say, uh, you're legendary. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but I think they really mean yeah. old. So. Well, I think it's a compliment. I know one of the reasons I got into it is because I loved watching you and watching well, Sports Plus. You. And uh, this has been a thrill for me to sit down and talk to you. So thank you for coming in, Mike. Thanks for having me. There it is, Mike Bush, with us here on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. If you're in the market to buy a home, if you're in the market to refinance, please make sure you do so with the HomeLoanExpert.com team. Home values soaring, interest rates dropping, that's a good formula for you. Go online at the HomeLoanExpert.com and you can enter in your information and see what kind of payment you would have or see how much money you can save if you refinance with Ryan Kelly and his team at the HomeLoanExpert.com. There's a reason why his business continues to grow 
and it's growing because of the customer service and the ability to save customers money that Ryan and his staff provide. Online at thehomeloanexpert.com or call 1-800-991-6494. That's 1-800-991-6494. So Mike Bush with us here talking about all of his experiences, not just in in sports, but also in, in news and the reason why he made the switch to news. I recall in the late 1990s when I was leaving the University of Missouri Journalism School, I actually had people recommending to me to get into news. And I'm going, why would I get into news? My God. But the logic was there was actually a shortage of male news reporters eventually who would become anchors. You don't just usually go from school to being an anchor. You, you have to become a reporter. And uh, and so what has happened here locally with both Mike Bush and Steve Savard, I don't think is an outlier uh, throughout the country because that stage was kind of getting set in the late 1990s. But to have two of the three main sports anchors in town in 2001 now be the two main news anchors, I would say that is probably the only market out of the top 25 markets, St. Louis being number 21, where you have that could be wrong on that. That's my um, theory. And as far as um, Mike's future, I could be wrong on this, but my read is uh, he might be getting ready to to shut it down as far uh, as an anchor at KSTK. I could be wrong. This is 100% me just reading between the lines with, with what he said. Um, and if and when that happens, whenever it happens, whether it be as he said he had one year left on his contract, but as he said, he could be still doing it in 10 years. Who knows? But either way, I think that would, and I don't know if this is, you know, I don't know if the right word is sad, but it just, it kind of closes the, the book on the era of news anchors being stalwarts, so to speak, in the community, faces of the community. I just don't think you'll have that again because of the shifting of the landscape of local television news. It's not to say it's right. It's not to say it's wrong. It's just the way the consumption is, how many people, you know, in their 20s or 30s are watching local news. And therefore, names like Julius Hunter, Larry Connors, Karen Foss, Mike Bush, Dick Ford, um, you know, they're, they're not they're not as uh, household names as they were in certainly the 70s and 80s and to a lesser extent, the 90s and, and 2000s. So, um you know, but like I said, is it a, is it a big deal? No, but it's just, it just kind of would, cl- I think it would close, close the book on that. Um, as so many students right now, for example, at the University of Missouri School of Journalism, like they were, they're running from local television. And when I left there 18 years ago, that's what everybody was running toward. So that's, that's their, their, their multimedia digital, you know, whatever the case might be, they're not looking to get into local news because they know what the state of the industry is. Again, not good, not bad per se, but just an illustration of how things have changed and have changed pretty dramatically in a short amount of time. Nonetheless, uh, Mike Bush really was the guy, to his credit, who changed the way St. Louisans got their sports coverage with Sports Plus. But then also, I mean, when you look at that sports department who has been there, as we discussed, I mean, clearly... Uh, an incredible eye for talent. So uh, to sit and hear his stories and to get his perspective also on St. Louis, the news uh, and the business was something I really, really enjoyed. And I hope you enjoyed it 
as well. As always, if you have not listened to uh, what we've been doing here for the last couple of months since starting the Tim McKernan Show, so many of these interviews are what they call evergreen, meaning you can listen to them anytime and it's not like they're dated. So you can go back to the very beginning with Gary Pankel, Jack Danforth, Isaac Bruce, Jay Randolph Sr., um, uh, Jim Talent recently, uh, I feel like like uh, Chris Kerber, uh, I know we have Dave Peacock, uh, Bill DeWitt third. Mike Kelly coming up, Lux from 105.7 The Point, Dave Glover from 97.1 FM News Talk, uh, Alderwoman Megan Green, Ed Martin from CNN. I, I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. Clay Travis, thank you, Seamaster. Uh, so many, and they've, and they've just been great interviews. Uh, inevitably, I'm going to swing and miss, uh, and it'll be my fault because the guests are all here to tell great stories, and it's, it's my job to, to try and make them comfortable enough that they that they tell some stories that perhaps they haven't told before. But so far, I've just really enjoyed it. And um, if you haven't listened to other ones, I would recommend going back, just because I think you can kind of settle in and hear people tell their stories and get their perspectives on issues going on, whether it be locally or nationally. And uh, since we talk for an hour, hour and a half, you get context that you otherwise wouldn't get in a 15-second soundbite or even in like a 15-minute interview uh, or certainly on social media. So I've enjoyed it, and hopefully you continue to enjoy it. If you can, subscribe to not only the Tim McKernan Show, but also the Cat Chat, both of our shows on the Inside STL Podcast Network, and uh, give it a run because I think you will be happy with what you hear. I always welcome feedback. Email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com. And as always, we thank you for listening. For my executive producer, John Seymour, the Seamaster, for Nick Gale, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.